welcome to Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America, and we are here to warn the nation from a biblical perspective, as well as to help you respond in faith. And today we're looking at how not to worry, and let's not be fearful, and let's not be stressed out. We're going to cover all of that stuff today, and it's definitely more on the responding in faith side. We've shared some podcasts and so forth of what's going on in culture, and it, even that could make us worry but we don't want to live there. We want to understand things, but we want to live in faith. So that's what we're up to today. And with me is Than Christopoulos, who uh, is the message of Exploring Reality that you can find at forerunnersofamerica.com or at YouTube with his Exploring Reality channel, which focuses on answering questions for the faith. So welcome, Than. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, glad you could make it. It's been a while, and so I'm looking forward to jumping into this. And I should mention before we even start anything is that because exploring reality, your ministry, your videos, etc., they help us answer our questions related to the faith, we can um, have more confidence, and therefore we're going to worry less um, in various areas. So anyway, even related to this very topic, uh, check out uh, Forerunners of America, and click on the Exploring Reality channel. So, Than, we want to jump in here. One thing I really appreciate about you is that you have such a heart for this topic related to your generation, as I do for mine, and I'm hoping that we can really get some great stuff across here. Yeah, no, um, I'm, I feel really passionately about this kind of stuff. Believe it or not, as, as much of an analytic person as I am, um, I'm really sensitive deep down, and when I see people kind of in fear and having anxiety, regardless of how old they are even, um, I just feel for them. And if there's a way I can help, I want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know in culture more broadly, um, this has just been a thing for quite some time, years, where it just seems like there's this growing sense of, uh, of stress and anxiety and worry and so we want to jump into some scriptures on this that I think will be very helpful. I know that these things we're talking about today have been very helpful to me, still working it out, as I think you would say, Than, you are also working it out. But nevertheless, we both have grown quite a bit, and we want to talk about this, what's been helpful to us before we jump in to, uh, to the, all of that. Um, let's just talk a little bit. Than, how are you seeing uh, worry, stress, anxiety manifest either in your life or examples from culture? Yeah, I mean, in my own life, um, as people probably would know, like we're working in ministry, you don't make that much money. <laughs> but <laughs> and I'm not in it for the money. But sometimes it can be stressful because, you know, I have a wife and I have two kids plus another one on the way. And um, just the other day, my wife and I were just kind of looking at our budget and thinking like, man, things just keep getting more and more expensive. Um, and on top of that, the she's an artist and people aren't buying as much art anymore because of the way the economy is going. And so we're making a little less money on that end too. So as you can imagine, it was kind of a stressful conversation. And we were both just kind of sitting there thinking like, what is the future going to be like? But then we ended up take, take, taking a step back and thinking, like, the Lord's gotten us through everything he's gotten us through so far. Like, he's not failed us yet. Um, right. Looking at his 
his track record is so encouraging and yeah amen, amen to that yeah and so we kind of just like took a step back realized that but then also just thought like at the end of the day like so what if we have to sacrifice more things so what if we have to do x y and z to make ends meet or whatever it is right like we just kind of also we walk with this heart posture of just contentment and resignation to whatever it is that the Lord is doing in our lives. Um, and so that really helped us out. And that's kind of like how we walk out with stress and anxiety. In broader mm-hmm. terms of the culture, um, it's no secret that, you know, kind of our nation's just kind of very divided right now. Um, and I think people are really stressed out because of that. But I think one of the things that people are stressed out about is they don't want to be divided. Um, I was talking with some of my friends the other day and one of the things that they're really sad about is the fact that a lot of their childhood friends, they can't really like be friends with them anymore or can't relate to them anymore because either they've just gone so off on a deep end on one side or the other and they just don't know what to do anymore with these people because their identities have changed completely to their political ideology um, mm. And this goes on on either end, whether it's conservative or liberal or whatever it might be. And I think people are just getting stressed out because of a lack of relationships and lost relationships and all this other stuff. Um, you so, know, yeah. what's interesting about the, that, Than, um, and maybe you remember this too, but I certainly remember that people could agree to disagree, but the main thing is that we were in relationship with each other, that we would enjoy each other. And sure, sure, you'd have some of these debates, but that doesn't mean, define us, to, or did not in the past anyway, define us to such a degree that now we don't even want to talk. And so something has shifted. Yeah. And, um, and I just wanted to say, kind of related to this, but a bit different, this is one of the areas where I have felt anxiety. I was just pondering this, and even over the last few months, is relational conflict. And I didn't mean it exactly in the way that you meant it in in terms of broader culture, although obviously we all see that. But for me, it was just simply looking at whether it was family members, um, friends, um, ministry relationships, uh, that there was conflict that needed to be addressed. And and it's like, I feel anxiety. I I feel like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. Or, okay, I know the right thing. Uh, The Bible says, speak the truth in love. So I'm going to do that. But it's like, oh, I just don't want to go into conflict. Maybe it'll all go away if I don't say anything. And so anyway, that this has been an area for me that just recently I noticed has has created worry and anxiety. Yeah. So are are you saying, just so I can make sure I'm understanding you correctly, are you just saying whenever somebody's like walking in error, it's almost stressful for you to say the correction because you don't want the conflict. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's also Jesus teaching, you know, don't take the speck out of your brother's eye until you take the log out of your own eye. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, do I already, or do I still have a log? And I'm not, I haven't dealt with things myself. And so you can start to go down that path. But anyway, uh, just, yeah, the long and the short of it is sometimes confronting people about possibly blind spots in their um, their lives, sometimes uh, more, I guess, work-slash-ministry-related. It's more like, yeah, we're not seeing things eye-to-eye, and we've really got to talk this through. And so, um, yeah, 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 all of those things. Yeah, it's always difficult, because you just want peace, especially with your friends and your family, and even your coworkers and everything like that. And so it's always scary, because I, I always think about the fact that, like, 
if if I'm trying to do something like that, one of my biggest fears is like, well, this is just, <laughs> this is probably just a personal issue to be honest with you. But one of my things is that one of the things I hate about conflict with friends and family is I'm always scared that they're just going to abandon me after after I con- confront them on something. And obviously, yeah. it doesn't happen. But still, it's just like, is this going to break everything? Yeah, it could happen. And of course, that's, that's stressful. And, you know, so like in these areas, that's really helped me to think about not accusing others of anything, but just really how to humbly ask some questions and try to surface the root issues. And then maybe there's stuff in my life that needs to be acknowledged, even confessed, uh, changed, and that I need to be ready for that as well. Um, Meaning, uh, uh, not just ready for, for that kind of feedback, but I, I mean, I really want to grow myself. And coming into a conversation with that posture, it can yeah. really, really help diffuse these things. I also want to mention um, that another thing that's that's been an area of anxiety has been aging parents. And I thought my wife and I were there with our parents uh, maybe five years ago, but nothing like we are now. And I, you know, you, you don't want to see your parents suffer. You don't want to see them have difficulty and these kinds of things. And and yet I see that. And it's like, there's certain things, you know, that I'll find out, you know, talking and so forth that, um, that they're really struggling at times. And, and my dad was in the hospital here um, just after, after Christmas and so forth for three weeks. And so it's like, wow, um, you know, we're carrying something in a different way, and I want to do a God's way, but I'm just saying that as I, if I take my eyes off of the Lord, I find myself trusting in self or trying to uh, solve things myself or, or force things to a solution. All of that does not work, all of it just creates more worry and stress. Yeah, I find it interesting that you brought that up, because I was actually just thinking about that the other day, and I'm a lot long- younger than you. So... Um, I just, I remember seeing my mom a few weeks ago and I noticed just how gray her hair was. And I, and that happened in just in a matter of a few months. Um, and that kind of hit me cause I was just like, oh, Nate, dang, my mom's getting old. <laughs> um, I wonder how much time I have left with her kind of a thing. And then I also realized, oh man, I'm getting old, <laughs> but that's a different story. So <laughs> I, and I, I can't imagine what that's like for you though. Um, yeah, so and, and you, you ask yourself you, like you have have you ask yourself like have I had those conversations that that might not be the easiest conversations with mom and dad and 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 so forth because you want those things all expressed before it gets too late and and so anyway yeah, yeah there's a lot of various factors to this yeah my my way of expressing that with my mom is I so I made a joke about what my my eulogy speech would be for her funeral. Um, <laughs> okay, but that's just kind of how a relationship is. <laughs> Fun. Well, before we jump into the scriptures, I just want to mention one other thing because um, it really has been on my heart, and and you know this can um, be something I could identify in my life for years, but even recently, and that is something related to Psalm thirty-seven, which says, "Do not fret about the wicked." And there's that psalm goes on to talk about the prosperity of the wicked. It goes on to talk about how the wicked are. Um, plotting against the righteous. And I do look at culture more broadly, and I look at, like, there is a lot of wickedness that is being promoted, accepted, advocated mm-hmm. in many, many areas across the culture. And again, if I'm not in the proper posture that we're going to talk about here in a l- little bit from the scriptures, if I'm not there, these things really can rob me of my joy. 
Yeah, I I can relate to that as as well. Um, especially as a well, you're a, you're a dad, so you can you can get it. But um, as a father who has who has children that are going to be growing up in the culture as it's progressing, I'm always just constantly anxious about how I'm supposed to um, rear my children in a society that's continuing in the trajectory that it is. Um, yeah, how, how do you navigate so, this? Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, in my case, I'm hoping to have grandkids at some point, uh, whenever the Lord blesses. But yeah, the same thoughts run through my you mind. You hear that, how Carter? Does this... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <How> does... <laughs> That's Carter, my son, who's listening in on this. Um, not married yet, but anyway. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, Than. Um, but yeah, it's like, what do you do here? And I'm just stunned at the acceptance throughout culture, even the mainstreaming, that this whole uh, gender fluidity has has taken on, that it's taken hold in our culture. I just didn't think, ah, this isn't going to catch on. It's just too obvious that boys are boys and girls are girls. When you look at this biologically, scientifically, from the Bible, it's just too obvious to anyone. But here we are, where um, where even those messages are coming through strongly uh, in the uh, public school system, but also on social media and other types of things, even just what I would have called reputable figures, whether uh, it's in the news or, or politics or social commentators. It, it, and it doesn't seem like the age either. All of these people seem to be extremely excited about opening the door that boys might be girls and girls might be boys and really to, to push that. So, I mean... Yes, whether it's that or probably a dozen other topics, we have huge concerns in the culture, but we want to navigate all this, right, Than? Um, you know, like yeah. we want to navigate whether it's personal things. You brought up your finances. I brought up about aging parents um, as well as um, as relational conflict and other things. And so whether it's those kinds of things or culture more broadly that's pressing in on us, we want to navigate this and not be worrying, not being stressed out. So uh, let's talk about Luke chapter 12, and if you're listening to this, you might want to grab your Bible and take a look at chapter 12. We're going to be looking at the first half of it. And Than, it's so interesting to me that the words worry or worrying, they show up 13 times in the New Testament. Seven of those times are right here in Luke chapter 12. And it actually says in this chapter, um, do not worry three times and do not fear three times. And so it's like this is such a key scripture in Jesus' teaching uh, for us to lay hold of today. Yeah, I I love this chapter. There's so many things that are just jam-packed in here that are applicable to the topic of fear and anxiety. Um, well, let, let's just jump in there, Than, in light of what you were saying about um, just some some anxiety related to finances and, and how's the budget going to work, those kinds of things. Like, what in this chapter has helped you? Yeah, with um, w- with regards to, like, finances and... Okay, so when it comes to finances, most of the time we're worried because finances equals, like, provision, food, shelter, all this other stuff. And, like, in Luke... Uh, Chapter 12, verse 22, it starts, And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. 
and how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And I think it's like really applicable because um, Jesus is making this analogy. Like for us, we like to store up our money so that we have extra money just in case we need more food. We like to have backup plans, all this other stuff. Like, But the ravens don't have that. They don't have places to store their food. They don't have places to do any of these things, right? They just take it day by day, moment by moment, and God still feeds them. And then Jesus goes, how much more valuable are you as a human made in the image of God than these ravens? In other words, like you'll, you'll be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he goes on and says this, that this, this act of worrying, this, it, it's almost kind of like he puts the, he puts the onus on us then and says like, so why do you choose to worry instead choose not to worry and it's, it's, it seems like he's implying that there's a choice to be made here because he's saying like you're not going to add a single hour to your life by doing this right why right since you can't even do this why worry and it, and it seems like he's implying there's a choice to be made here there's something like within our power to do this absolutely and if you look there at the end of verse 28 he says oh you of little faith and I feel the same way, Than, in that God is giving us a choice. Like, will we stop? Will we ponder? And will we make the choice? Will we choose to trust him? And first, the metaphor itself is great. It's both here and back in verse 7. He says a very similar thing about you are much more valuable than they. In verse 7, it's talking about sparrows here, here are other things. But the point being is that um, will we stop and will we say, okay, do I believe that God exists? Yes, okay? So we process that. Then, do I believe that I'm more valuable than birds in God's eyes? Okay, that's what Jesus is teaching, he does. So then we process that, and we say, yes. And if we can stay there, if we can let these truths these promises from God sink into us, so like these promises come alive in us. This is a huge part of overcoming fear and worry. And let's just say anxiety in general. Like, this is like, okay, am I owe you of little faith, or am I making a choice that I'm moving into greater faith? Yeah, and I, I, I love that. It's, it's, especially because it's empowering, I think. Um, I don't know if you can relate to this, but some, oftentimes when when you're in a moment where you're feeling kind of extreme depression or anxiety or fear, um, it, it it almost sounds like. So I don't want to trivialize this because um, this is this is very real. There's there's this feeling of helplessness when you when you do feel all this anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. And this isn't like a suck it up type of answer. Um, I don't want this to be confused with that because this might because one of the worst things that I've ever been told whenever I am like stressed out or I'm feeling anxious is just like, oh, just get over it. You'll be fine. Right. This isn't one of those. Um, This isn't a pulled up by your bootstraps thing. This is an empowerment thing. Right. Jesus is telling us he's not telling us to suck it up and just get over it. What he's what he's doing is like you have this ability to do it right? This, 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 I've equipped you with the ability to choose this and don't believe the lie that you don't have the choice here. 
That doesn't and mean I, it's going to be easy. I think that's a huge part of it right there, is don't believe the lie. And, and confusing thoughts I would include with lies, don't believe those things. Recognize, like, I don't have anything to worry about, according to Luke 12, and we're going to get more into various parts of this here in a minute. But I don't have anything to worry about. Therefore, where are all of the, this worry? Where is it coming from? Where the lies? Well, this won't work out, and I won't have enough money to pay for this, and this, that, and the other thing. Well, wait a second. Let's slow down and realize a lot of this, if not all of it, is actually just coming from our own selves, our own vain imaginations. It's coming to us, in, in, in we're believing in lies. Yeah. And so, I, again, I just really want to stress, this isn't a pull yourself up by your bootstraps and suck it up and get over it thing. This is an empowerment thing where there's this fine line being towed between you can do this. You have this choice to focus on stressing and being anxious or trusting in the provision of the Lord. But I also like empathize with how you're feeling and I'm here with you and I will, and we're going to get like, we're going to get through this together. This is, this is not, again, this is not a pull yourself up your bootstraps and just disattached unemotional thing. Right. I just really want to stress that because uh, oftentimes that, that can be really damaging. Yeah, so again, going back to this comment of Jesus, oh, you have little faith, what's the opposite of true faith? Like, lots of faith, the opposite is what you just referred to, pulling yourselves up by your bootstraps, try harder, we're going to make it work. That's exactly not what Jesus is saying here. It has everything to do with a settledness in our spirits, that he is all-powerful, he is our creator, he sees everything, and that's taught here as well. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He, he knows what when any sparrow falls to the ground, how much more us then. So as we walk in this faith and we just settle it in our spirits that we're trusting, this is a game-changer. And just a little, like, side note on this. Um, I was surprised when... I brought this up the other day with a friend of mine, because when Jesus says in verse 28, I think it is, uh, oh, you, oh, you, 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 you have little faith, right? Um, I read that as like endearing, right? Like, th- like I can, I can imagine Jesus's tone here being like, you have little faith <laughs> and then like trying to teach you the lesson, right? Lovingly. And a lot of people uh, I've I've like talked to about this in the past like actually see this as a, almost like a as like a negative tone when he says this, but or I even, actually even harsh like a, back re- a few, rebuke or something like that. Yeah, I I, th- I think this is actually like an endearing, like mm-hmm. like fatherly like, thing that like Jesus he's is saying, saying, "Oh, oh, you have yeah. little faith. Like believe, like, come along, oh, just, believe with me." Yeah, yeah exactly. And I just wanted to highlight that because I think oftentimes people see that as like a harsh statement of Jesus, but it's not. I, I, at least I don't think it is. I think it's more in line with the character of Jesus that we see outlined in the Gospels that this is kind of like a slightly sarcastic slash endearing, like, just trust me here. Let me show you something kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anything else in this chapter that's uh, that ha- has helped you in terms of uh, worrying less <laughs> yeah so 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 if you so if you're gonna go on further in verses 27 through 31 um it kind of extends this right so we talked about what like why we shouldn't worry all this other stuff and then jesus tells us what to do instead of like worrying right 
He says, consider how the wild flowers go. They do not labor, spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon, all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. In other words, right, like the flowers don't do any of these things. They just do what they're told to do. And not even Solomon, who is rich, was dressed like the flowers were, right? Mm -hmm. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith, he says again, right? And then he says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. And again, it's just jam-packed. There's so many things you can extract out of this for application. What should we not do? Worry about food and clothes. That's not saying don't buy, don't buy food and don't buy clothes. That's not what he's saying. He, instead, he's saying like the, the most like fundamental aspect, the most fundamental like uh, motivation of our, of our inner thoughts, our, of ourselves, should be to seek the kingdom of God. Because the rest of those things, the food, the clothes, all of that will come directly following us seeking the kingdom of God. And I think that's helpful because it tells us, it gives us like a, a road. It gives us a road to follow that gives us what we need, right? But it's taking us in a different path. Yeah, it's it's believe as we were talking about here a, a few minutes ago, but now it's seek his kingdom. And I love that again, and we're back to choices. Are we going to sit and ponder and make these choices? Now we're saying seeking his kingdom, and he promises us that all these things will be added to us, meaning our basic needs, if we will believe and seek. And if you go on to that next verse, uh, verse 32, he, it's, all, uh, it's like he's answering this question already, even before you have a chance to, to ask it. It's that, okay, I, I'm supposed to seek the kingdom, but is God going to want to give me the kingdom? Well, in the very next verse, it says that my Father gladly wants to give you the kingdom. And it's like, wow, what an amazing thought. Um, I think it makes some sense to us here um, in, in the, the modern age and, and in, in American culture, but just think about it in their culture where there were kings and kingdoms and this great king, um, he, God himself wants to give you his kingdom. Wow, wow what a relief. So you're saying, if I seek you, yeah. he's not hesitating, he's not holding back. He wants to give it to you. The answer is yes. Yeah, and I just, I just that's so comforting, right? Uh, it, it then it's so comforting to just know that like uh, okay i don't have to do this like i don't have to work for any of this this was all freely given by by god and i just trust that now that that doesn't mean that we're going to see the fruits of that in this life all the time right but i think we can still kind of be forward looking and trusting and looking for that like um I've brought this well, up before in other places, but oh, go ahead. I just wanted to interject, but why don't you finish first? Oh, I was just going to say, um, I've talked about this before, but, you know, Catholics call it the beatific vision, right? Like it's this forward looking, we're going to have the fullness of God and the fullness of Christ. And that's like, to this, this life is nothing in comparison to that, right? So yeah, that's where you I was going to go. 
Right on. Yeah, keeping our eyes upward in the fulfillment of uh, of eternity and living in God's presence, the fullness of that. It's awesome. So what I wanted to mention is that there's just some amazing things about the kingdom, and we've already mentioned one that's right right here in Luke 12, and that is just simply our basic needs are met as we seek God first. We can have peace in that. Even if we don't see the way forward immediately, we can still have peace knowing that our, we're valued by our Heavenly Father. He loves us, and He provides as a good Father. But like, for example, other things are part of the kingdom too. Uh, Romans 14, verse 17 says that the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so that's part of his kingdom, the realities of his kingdom that he wants to give to us right now, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so when we think about worrying and anxiety and being fearful of different things uh, uh, that are uh, just lurking out there. It's like, wait a second, all of that's the opposite of peace and joy. And part of his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot here that God wants to give us, both uh, in the material, physical realm, as well as in the emotional health realm, the spiritual realm, all of this being rooted in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and and I don't know if you want to go here or not, so we could just redirect us if you want to, Dave. But I mean, go yeah, for it. I think it. I think Paul says in Second Corinthians. I don't remember the verse off the top of my head, right? But it's just like this idea of being forward thinking and taking even the anxiety and the suffering that we might have in this life and measuring it to the fulfillment of God, right? Mm-hmm. And trusting that God. Let's just let's just say, for example, that um, the, the the trajectory of funds keep going the way they are, right? It, it, with my family, and we're gonna have to make more sacrifices, and who knows, right? That suffering is is in comparison to the weight of glory, mm-hmm. to the fulfillment of Christ. That that suffering is nothing, mm-hmm. and yeah. and and that and and God promises us that. And I think, at least for me, this is motivating to me. <laughs> Maybe it might not be to other people, but for me personally, um, if I have this opportunity to faithfully endure and persevere under suffering, like to circumstances that I don't like, but I do it because I trust the Lord and I do it in faith, God promises us that we get rewarded for that. He promises us that he enjoys that. And something about that to me is just super motivating. Like I get to, I get to suffer, but like I get to choose to do it in faith. And something about that is very empowering and motivating to me. So what you're just referring to in 2 Corinthians 4, it's too good just to refer to it. I actually want to read it. So those getting this at yeah, YouTube will put this up do. on the screen. But it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And you know, it's just so clear here. Let's have an eternal perspective. Let's look beyond this life. Let's trust that God will give us what we need now, and that is the clear uh, 
teaching of Jesus in, in Luke 12 here, but let's look beyond that for greater encouragement, because any difficulty that we have now, it's, it seems to me two, two things. One is, it, this is teaching, it's not going to last forever, and we have this eternal weight of glory that we'll be experiencing here at some point. But then secondly, it also um, is really highlighting that, that God, yes, he is allowing some difficulties right now, but anytime something will cause us to become more humble and dependent on God, that is always a blessing. So God has a purpose in these difficulties. If our lives don't include affliction, suffering, um, various difficulties, then we often don't go to the Lord in that humble posture and really learn what it means to truly trust Him and to to, to be changed from the inside out, to see our character change. And so there's actually, I think, a few things going on here. Yeah, and, and the other thing I just want to point out is that one of the promises of God is that there's, 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 there's this promise that all of the suffering will be defeated. Um, there's there's going to be the, the defeat of death suffering, evil, all this other stuff, and it's something we can look forward to. And again, it doesn't mean that it's going to, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy to incur and go through that suffering when we go through it, but it means that we can go through it with hope. It means that we can go through it with a vision at the end. One of the analogies that I like to use is um, when I'm dry, is, is a driving one to kind of just encapsulate what this is. Because um, humans, we, we, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll go through anything. We, it doesn't matter what we have to go through. We will go through it if it's worth it in the end, right? Mm-hmm. And so an example is um, if I, 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 whenever I'm driving and there's a stoplight ahead of me, if somebody speeds past me and cuts me off just to go, just to like be in front of me for the stoplight, it's like a red light, I get really frustrated because I'm just like, what was the point? You didn't actually get anywhere faster, right? If somebody cuts me off and goes to the green light or gets through the yellow light, I feel a little bit better about it, right? <laughs> and I know that seems like a silly example, but I'm sure you can at least relate, um, right? It, it's You feel a little bit better about it because at least the person that did this, to, like at least the person that cut you off, like they got what they wanted and it wasn't completely pointless, Right? And the same thing goes with like with with our suffering and anxiety and the, and the difficult circumstances in life. Um, we 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 can go through it knowing that there's this thing at the end of it that will make it all worth it at the end, right? We're not going to just stop at this at death and then that's all that happens, right? We go past death, it gets defeated, we get resurrected, and we have this beautiful life, this perfect life with the God of the universe. Yeah, thanks again, Than. Good stuff. And um, before we shift just a little bit here, I just want to highlight here at, at, in verse 33 uh, that Jesus actually says, okay, if you're concerned about, you know, really what the pagans or non-Christians are concerned about, and that is having enough food and so forth, you know, walk in faith, seek first the kingdom. But then he also says this, he explains in verse 33 that we are supposed to just not be concerned about about money, finances, how to meet our needs, that he will do it. And he says, give money away. And here's something 
at the principal level, it's really helped me overcome anxiety and worry. And that is take my eyes off of myself. And what Jesus is saying here is go ahead and give money away. And it's kind of like I'm thinking his audience at this point was saying, wait a second here, we're just wanting to have enough so we can get by. And now you're saying, give it away, make charitable contributions, give food to others, these kinds of things. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. And I think a couple things happen. One is that, that it truly does test our faith that we believe that he'll provide for us even when we're giving things away. But I also think that that the command to love other people, it's not just for the other person. It is for us. Once I take my eyes off myself, I I notice often I am not worried anymore. I'm not feeling anxious because I'm not stewing over whatever it is. I'm actually captured by this other person that needs help. My heart is engaged, Mm -hmm. and now I can help that other person. And then, you know, later in the day, I look back and like, where did that anxiety even go? It was because it's gone because of helping other people. Love people. Love God. Love people. That is such a... um, a way of uh, displacing fear and worry. Yeah, I I, I love that. I, I one of the I can't stress that enough. It's it's one of the ways that um, God has shown me to kind of practically um, overcome a lot of fear and anxiety in my life is by just focusing on people and loving people as much as I can with all all that I got. Um, whether that's my wife, my kids, um, the people that I minister to, and the people that I might not want to love, um, especially, um, I think that's the more like the more challenging one. Um, there's times where there's people that instead of being loving with them, I just want to call them <laughs> dumb or something like that, and instead I have to choose the different route and. I'll be on. I'll be honest about it. There's times where I want to do it, right? <laughs> but well, I was just um, thinking of one of my friends. He likes to say, and he says it jokingly because he knows this is not scriptural. But he just is like, look at some situation with some person, and he just looks at him and says, "Dismissed." You know, kind of like, "Don't let the door hit you on the way out." Like, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not at all. But yes, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I just can't reiterate that enough. It, it's focusing, like putting your heart into action and loving people and being there for them. Um, and being in a community, um, it, it being in service, whatever it might be. I, I think it's one of the best ways to kind of help with this. And it, it sounds weird. It sounds counterintuitive, right? Like mm-hmm. how is, how is focusing my energy on other people when I'm in need going to help me? Um, it does. And I think that's one. Sometimes, sometimes that's one of those indicators. It's not always the case, right? That something counterintuitive is something of God, but it, sometimes it's an indicator that you're on the right track. Then, because if there's something that's kind of going against your instinct, sometimes you might be, you might want to stop and think, like, well, why do I even have this instinct? Yeah. Um, you know. So as we kind of summarize where we've been so far, um, we've highlighted here from the scriptures that. We are so valuable to God. Just let that sink in. Already we feel that pressure valve being released. And we've talked about being, making choices so that we shift from being of little faith to 
great faith, or just greater faith might be a, a good step to take here. And then we've been talking about seek his kingdom. God says if we seek it that he's going to meet our needs. And we've, uh, we've talked about that he wants to give us his kingdom, as well as uh, that, that uh, we can help other people, as we were just here talking about, that we can help other people in all of these things are choices that we can make as we really trust in the living God. Now, with that said, I want to actually highlight here some stuff going on in the first part of Luke chapter 12. And this stuff is vital as well, because this is actually the context in which Jesus first brings up these topics of do not fear and do not worry. And it's interesting, um, because at the end of Luke 11, it says that the Pharisees are now becoming hostile towards Jesus. So now we're entering the realm of serious relational conflict. We're, we're, uh, we're running into wickedness. We are running into a culture that's, that's coming against Jesus. And, and it's right in this situation where we start Luke chapter 12, although Jesus is having an amazing ministry in verse 1. That's not really the main point here, although it is amazing. Um, but then it goes on to explain that he's, it's in this context of hostility that Jesus begins to say to his disciples, do not fear. So, Than, any thoughts about, about this? So we've kind of left the realm of our, our personal needs going to be met, and we're, gonna, we're, we're uh, worrying about that. We need to make these changes we just talked about. But now we're kind of shifting into a whole different realm of pressure, another thing that can cause us to worry. So any thoughts? Um, so when you look at verse 4, right off the bat, well, there's two things that you can kind of extract from this. One is Jesus says, I tell you, my friends, right? Jesus is talking to his friends here. The king of the universe is talking to his friends, the disciples here, right? He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. Um, and then he says, and then I says, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And I just think that this is like, you know, now somebody might be thinking like, well, how is this going to make me feel, feel, feel like less anxious? Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So hear me out. Um, yes, we, we should, we should have fear of God who can do that. Right. But I, I think this also is a freeing thing because if we, if we spend all our time, first of all, if we know, okay, if you, if you go into first um, John, perfect love casts out all fear and fear has to do with this, right? This is, like if fear has to do with judgment and all that stuff, this is, if you kind of put this together, all of a sudden now you're seeing like, well, I actually have no reason to fear in this sense because I, because I know that I'm a child of God. I, I am loved by God and he will not throw me into the pits of hell. So you put those two together. Cool. But the other side of this is think about how often we, we spend our time in fear and anxiety over things of this world um, of physical death. And Jesus here is saying like, you don't have any reason to fear that, right? You're going to die eventually, but guess what? You'll be resurrected. So you really have, don't have too much to worry about here. And so in, 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 in essence, he's kind of like freeing you from this idea that you have to be afraid of physical death and hardships and all this other stuff. That's just kind of the way I look at this. You know, Than, um, 
when you're talking, I can't help but to think of the fear that I actually saw even within the body of Christ over the last three years, not so much now, but especially in the first two years once COVID broke out. And it's like, we need to ask this question in the body of Christ fundamentally, if we're ever going to get over this fear, anxiety, stressed out uh, bombardment, uh, uh, you know, stuff swirling within us. We need to ask ourselves a question, and that is, do I fear death? Because a believer is not supposed to fear death. If we are truly born again, our faith in Christ, we are supposed to be longing to be with Jesus as long as he has us here on this earth, to be close to him, to follow him. And by the way, let me interject here, we're following him and he is not worrying about anything. Okay, so we're following somebody that's completely at peace. But back to the point is, is that uh, we... um, we need to settle this in our hearts that while we probably don't look forward to the actual process or moment of death, that we do long to be with God himself in his immediate presence in heaven with him. And there is nothing to fear or worry about. Yeah, I love that. I like, and I, I think that's a really good way of putting things. It's, um, I, I like, I don't fear death. There's times where I'm, uh, there's times where I'll jokingly even say like, you know, I kind of welcome it. I can't wait till it happens because then I get to be with Jesus. Um, I don't I want to go through the process of death. I just don't want to deal with the pain. That's all. Right. <laughs> Hopefully I just go out in my sleep rather than like getting shot in the stomach or something like that. <laughs> uh, one thing I pray for myself, family members, friends, whoever, but when the Lord comes to take us that we'll have one breath in this uh, in this um, earthly realm, and our next breath will be in heaven. Um, but you know, God doesn't always choose to do it that way. But anyway, the long and the short of it is, is that um, we, I believe that Christians we need to be at peace with uh, eternity passing on from this earth, and that therefore that is not yeah. any access point for the enemy to tell us lies, yeah. or for, for our flesh then to stir us up and create a whole nother layer level of deep anxiety. Um, yeah, so, the, the one thing I do, I do want to just clarify one thing too, because somebody hearing this might be worried <laughs> about this. And we're it's, creating um, worry on a podcast called How Not to Worry. This yeah, is right. this is a problem, Than. <laughs> um, if if you if you if you're like sitting here and thinking like, oh I have a fear of death, does that mean like I'm sinning or like I don't know, bubble or whatever? No, that's not the case, right? Um it's it's just take that as like a revelation of something that maybe you haven't handed over to the Lord yet. And you have to just be patient as the Holy Spirit sanctifies you through that area. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean that you're not in, that doesn't mean that you're in sin or anything like that. It just means that this is a sanctification area that God will eventually take you through. That's all. Yeah, And I really just wanted to edify you guys there. Right. And uh, I would just say too, that we talk about this so rarely, typically within church or the body of Christ, that that this kind of can be actually a new thought for many of us. But the but the point being is that, um, okay, God actually gives us a deep desire that I absolutely believe comes from him, and that is for life, life on this earth, and to, um, uh, as we're walking with him, serve him, see good things happen, see God move within us, and it's all about our time right here on this earth. So that desire uh, not to die, I believe that's actually from... God. 
Yeah, I agree with that. You know, so, but knowing that we will, then we move on forward uh, in faith, believing and trusting that when that day comes, that it will be a glorious thing to look forward to, not to hang on to this, this earth, but we are looking forward to eternity with God in heaven. So, okay, with that, I think there's a couple other things here that we can surface out of this passage. And, and one of those that I'd like you to share a little bit about, Than, is just simply that here we have Jesus with his disciples, it says. The disciples have a mentor here. The, the mentor is letting them know that things are going to get dicey here. This is going to be difficult. You know, in later, other places, Jesus teaches, if they come after me, they're going to come after you. And so this is not going to get easier. It's not a promise of no difficulty or that we will experience the absence of difficulty, but God's giving us what we need to move through this difficulty. With that said, there is something going on here related to the disciples listening to somebody mature, in this case, very mature, the most mature Jesus, the Son of God, uh, mentoring them. But talk a little bit about this, then and how it can help us in this area of worry. Yeah, um, I'll just kind of tackle this from a personal application standpoint, and just kind of my own experiences. It's the the importance of having somebody in your life that is a mentor. Um, and I think this is important because often, more often than not, um, and I can actually speak on this from the standpoint of like having a mentor myself, having mentors in my life myself, but then also being a mentor to other people like younger men. Um, more often than not, the majority of the experiences, the stressors, um, the anxieties that we have as people, um, they're not unique to us. They're unique in the sense that you're the person going through it and you're the person having like this first person experience, mm -hmm. but they're not unique in the sense that like nobody else has gone through this before. More often than not, what you're stressed out about and what you're experiencing, other people have experienced as well. And it's helpful because in one sense, you're not alone, but also in the other sense, it's you have, the, you have people that are older than you or even if they're the same age as you, but they're just more mature, whatever it might be, they've gone through these experiences themselves and they can kind of help coach you through it. And that, that does two things. One is you see other people and you realize they got through this. That means I can get through this. And two, they give you like practical advice for how to get through it as well. Um, and I see this in my own life with people that mentor me. And I see this in, in the younger people's lives who I mentor. Um, at least that's and that's kind of like what I see, for at least from that perspective. What about you, Dave? So um, I think we're really often overlooking the need to have a person in our lives that's truly a mentor. And in a minute, I want to move a uh, shift a bit toward like just a community of believers that we're we're facing life with together. But at the moment, let's stick with this idea of a, a mentor or a discipler, this kind of thing. It's just crucial that we have a close person in our life that on a really that person really knows us and that we can really share our hearts with. And I think in a in a, uh, a healthy situation, that mentor also shares his life and struggles as well. But the long and the short of it is, is I rarely, rarely see this. Um, sometimes I I see people you know meeting for some sort of group Bible study or small group or something like that, but there's not the 
depth with one or two people in a mentoring relationship that I think that is so necessary. And, and, and why um, I feel so strongly about this, as I know you do too, Than, is that once you have somebody in your life like this, then it seems like uh, so much worrying and anxiety just dissipates. It's just gone. And and it's somebody that that we can pray with. And, and, and if it is somebody that has more life experience, um, that person can talk about their exact situation, walking with the Lord through those experiences and something that, as a younger person, we might be on the front end of just trying to navigate something like that. And um, so... I think it's huge here. I think it's huge even as we look at this passage and think about ourselves as being one of the disciples and how did they receive what Jesus had just said. They knew that things were heating up between Jesus and the Pharisees. And how are they processing it? And then Jesus to be able, um, as the mentor, the disciple, to go look at them and say this, how did they receive it? And and certainly it was life-changing for them. It became bedrock. What Jesus said became bedrock for them to know how to navigate it right there in the moment where there's pressure building, but also after Jesus um, died, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. Now they have these principles to carry out in their the rest of their, their lives. And so... Um, so vital stuff, I, I, I guess I, I just want to also include that we need to be careful that it's not just about finding somebody older than ourselves, and, and I'm saying this in any generation, I, I need mentors, you know, uh, and, and so forth, so I'm not uh, just talking about the younger generation, I'm saying all of us need mentors and people like this. But we need to be careful because I've noticed that there's some people that are older in their, their faith, or maybe I should put it this way, actually, they've they have a lot of church attendance on their resume, but we I, honestly that doesn't mean that that's the person that that should mentor us. We yeah. need to uh, look for people, as the scriptures teach, that truly walk with God. This is the kind of person that's going to be able to help us in all kinds of areas. But as we're talking about right here today, this is the kind of person that's going to help us know how to walk through difficulty without fear, anxiety, and worrying. Yeah, and that's why I added the caveat, like maybe it isn't somebody that's older than you. Maybe it's somebody that's the same age as you um, that's just spiritually more mature. Um, and and I, lo- I, lo- I love that you kind of highlighted that because... Um, oftentimes it, 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 it's a struggle for me sometimes to, there's only a few older, there's only a few older people in my life that I would consider like mentors in my life. Um, and it's been, it's difficult to sometimes find a mentor because like you said, there's a lot of people out there that have just a high church attendance rate, but that doesn't mean that they've pushed their faith to, a to, to like the degree that you might be looking for in a mentor. Yeah, so, you know, we're looking at this about do we have a mentor in our, our lives? And and at least for those that are uh, on their way to maturity, as I trust all of us are, but are we mentoring anybody else? So that kind of thing. But I, I kind of want to talk about more broadly that we just need to be the body of Christ. We need to be in relationship with each other. I believe that one of the biggest reasons there is so much worrying going on, and even Jesus says this later in Luke 12, do not keep worrying. So this idea of almost like a mindset of worrying. But uh, but one of the main reasons is that we're not 
in community. We're not in relationships with each other if we are with people. And I've experienced this uh, so many times I can't even count. But where I was stressing about something, but then I was with a group of people, and it honestly didn't matter what we were doing, and I probably wasn't even talking about what I was experiencing anxiety about. But I was just with people and I noticed the, the stress level just come down. I noticed um, worrying gone, these kinds of things. Now, I'm not saying that I got to the root issues, but sometimes just being with people does resolve it. But at least it gives us perspective so that um, when we have to later go back into, uh, okay, what's going on inside of me? What? Why am I worrying? What's with all this fear and anxiety? Okay, when I go back in that, I've gotten perspective from being with people. So um, all of that to say, um, I don't think we go it alone when it comes to um, uh, um, defeating all, all of this worrying. Yeah, and, and I, I also just want to add this in, because um, I actually, one of my, one of my weaknesses is I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty stoic person, and uh, for some reason, there's this lie in my head that says I need to suffer in silence. The noble thing to do <laughs> is suffer in silence. Don't let anybody else like worry about what you might be struggling with. Do the noble thing. You, you, know, you get what I'm trying to say, right? And I think mm-hmm. also a lot of men struggle with that. Yeah. Um, one of the things that being in community really helps me with is there's a lot of people that I'm close with now outside of like my my, my wife and her her, her parents um, that just know the signs. Like it, part of being in a community is actually knowing people. And there's a lot of people now that just can tell that I'm in like stoic mode and they'll just be like, then what are you not telling us? Mm. Um, good. And it's really, and it's, and it helps because then all of a sudden you get to share the burdens. They know my weaknesses of like trying to be that stoic person. And, I, I don't know something about the fact that I that I have a community of people that let's just say let's just say things get really rough financially speaking. I know that I have a community of people of God's people that God can act through to help us through things if things get really bad too. And it, I don't know it to me it just it helps again with that fear and anxiety and all this other stuff um, because. I know that God has me from multiple angles and angles that I don't even know. And community is just one of them. Mm-hmm. And I want to just put a couple things on our radar is one, um, we can do this to ourselves, meaning we know that we've got anxiety and different things, but we just choose to be alone every evening or watch a movie or do whatever. And we're alone or um, this can be forced upon us. Um, you know, going back to uh, to COVID, they did the lockdowns, and we were forced to be uh, alone uh, for a season of time. And anyway, it's super important that we recognize that whether it's a forced isolation or self-isolating, this is so unhealthy, and it's just going to increase our anxiety. And, and maybe just add one other thing onto this is... Um, you know, there's studies that have shown that when we're alone and we're surfing the internet, we're on social media and we're watching movies and we do all this stuff online, the more you're online, the more stressed out and worried you become. And so it's very important that we understand that culture itself 
is sort of undermining us in this effort to be in this community. Yes. Good stuff here. So we just are going to need to wrap up. I'd love to go on here for a few hours, but we're going to need to wrap wrap up. And I just want to share a couple quick things and then, Than, give you uh, the final word. And just in terms of like um, some other scriptures that have been helpful to me and to hold on to, I just want to highlight a couple briefly here. One is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. It's so good talking about pray about everything. It says, um, be anxious about nothing, but pray. It's so important to, to look at that because it goes on to say that the peace which transcends all, under, all understanding will be ours in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on there, verse 8, and tells us what to dwell on. Don't dwell on the things that stress you out and make you worry. Uh, uh, Dwell on things that are good and right and honorable and of good reputation. Um, Dwell on these things. Again, we're back to this idea of choice. Are we going to choose to do the very things that the Scriptures teach? And in this case, to dwell, to dwell on, on uh, on what God would have us to dwell on, and then we will see that fear and anxiety slayed, and we will we will have peace. I I think related to that Romans chapter eight verse six says that the mindset on the flesh. So here's the world of worry, doubt, anxiety, sin. The mindset on the flesh is death. But it goes on to say, but the life set or the mindset. On the spirit is life and peace. And so there we are. Are we making those choices, a mindset on the flesh or a mindset on the spirit where we experience life and peace? And also I might just suggest um, that uh, that people consider Psalm 91. But with those, uh, those uh, f- few encouragements there from the scriptures, do you have anything? Yeah, um, I like John fourteen twenty seven as well. Um, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. As we were looking at in Luke 12, do not fear, Jesus says three times, and do not worry. He's pointing us in a life-giving direction. Well, thank you, Than, and thanks, everybody, for joining us today on Insights. I look forward to being with you next time.